like tomato growing is not really about maximizing yield. You know, I already got my perfect tomato for the season. It's it's all all gravy at this point. This is Five to Nine, a podcast where we discover the hidden passions and hobbies that engineering, product, and technology leaders obsess over when the workday happens. Gian, thank you so much for being here early in the morning here. Appreciate you. If you don't mind, maybe um, you could share a little bit about like, you know, you, what your thing is, and then let's we'll jump into the fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I'm Gian Peroni. Uh, I'm the VP of engineering at, at NAV. Um, basically, small business focused fintech. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Um, but the real reason uh, we have you here is to actually talk about a thing I heard about you did, or I heard somewhere in your lineage did, which was smuggled tomatoes. And and, and so I wanted to, like, I, I was like super into this, which is the headline alone. Well, because like for me, like we run a small garden in the backyard and, and my in-laws help me out with it every once in a while. But, uh, you know, my, my general thing around um, growing things in the backyard either has to be something you use really frequently, something you can't get at a regular market, or something that just tastes way more delicious than you buy at a market, right? And tomatoes definitely fit the triple bill, or at least double bill. You, you will use them a lot when they're good. You can get some quirky ones that you can't get in the store so often. And then they just taste so good at the perfect time. And so, you know, I'm here in Boston and, and gee, what, what is this? Almost almost November here and it's uh, we're about to get to mealy tomato season. But when that <laughs> September tomato hits, it's so good. So what, when you said you had the special ones, I wanted to hear about it. So anyways, what's the context? Yeah, um, that probably similar to you in some ways. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a little picky about tomatoes, but there, there's a lot of family history with them, uh, as you can maybe tell by the slightly ridiculous name. Uh, I'm from an Italian background, my, my grandfather came from Italy to New Zealand, uh, where I, I was raised, and uh, was a tomato grower. That was his, his profession, and so they, uh, they brought some seeds from sort of where they were, sort of, Naples area effectively, and they they started growing those in New Zealand commercially, and uh, that was his profession. And then then it moved uh, to my uncle when my when my grandfather retired, and so I would get sent down for like school holidays to go pick tomatoes. Uh, thankfully, I didn't have to do it too many years, but you know. <laughs> Teach me a little geography here, because uh, you said silly. I think it's great. Uh, like just just orient me. Where is Naples? And orient me and like. The shape of New Zealand and like where's where. The Italian side of the family is Naples, Italy, and then they moved to the sort of the uh, the top end of the north. Uh, sorry, of the South Island in New Zealand, um, and that region is it's it's warm. I mean, it's uh, grapes, you know, wine growing. It's the Marlborough region, basically. If you've ever bought some New Zealand supermarket wine, and they also grow a lot of you know. Uh, produce like like tomatoes and things like that but that was sort of a very nascent thing i guess when my my grandparents arrived and uh the even the idea of sort of commercial cultivation of these like more like roma tomatoes samarzanos it was just unheard of in new zealand new zealand palate was not particularly cosmopolitan so that was yeah that was kind of the the impetus for all of that or me getting involved in tomato growing was really just uh having summer, to them. summer job like yeah. after school job yeah right like what age were you when you were doing this? Oh, probably like ten through you know thirteen or something. I, okay, okay. Yeah, and I started like, getting like coding jobs later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to got to handpick them. I mean, it's just sort of you know. I'm sure there was a, a whole level of sophistication going on that I wasn't really privy to in terms of my you know my, my uncle uh, 
working, you know, maintaining the plants and things like that. Right. But you know, I was just there with a basket early in the morning and going down the rows, picking the, picking the right ones. Love it. And, and so this Southern Hemisphere, so this would have been, this would be our April, right? Would it be tomato season or would it be? Yeah. I mean, they, they had heated greenhouses. So okay. it, this was probably, you know, Christmas through, yeah, kind of April, something like that. Okay. Got it. And this is, okay. So San Marzano's and, and some Romas and, and, and take it from there. I, I interrupted you. Yeah, no, no. It's, uh, so the, the particular variety that, that came over from Italy with my grandfather is Isle of Capri. Um, they're a, uh, it's it's a indeterminate tomato so it's a little bit like a san marzano very few seeds um quite a sort of fleshy uh a, a little bit of a beefsteak quality so anyway this is sort of this was the became the platonic ideal of a tomato to me because you know they're fresh right off the vine they're they're um everything you know in my my grandparents house was always cooked with those and my, you know, my grandmother's cooking was this so i became kind of you know that that was the the ideal tomato to me and then as I moved around the world and things like that, I was really disappointed by tomatoes everywhere I went. Um, Me too. So I, I, I set, yeah. So I, I set out to, to try and grow a tomato, but, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the $64 tomato, you're familiar with this concept, right? No. Like, well, what's oh, like? it's, it was, it was a book about a guy sort of this home gardening trap people fall into where like, you know, once you get all the equipment and everything and you, the, the obsession takes over and then you end up with the actual, like, yield of fruit each each yeah. tomato is like 64 dollars. i think is the idea <laughs> um and i was like i think i can do better than that i think i can i think i have like 128 dollar tomato um, yeah dude, you're a fintech guy you can do this you can amp it up <laughs> yeah it's like why 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 do things by halves uh so yeah i mean it's it's just been backyard gardening uh, i moved from san francisco to, to wisconsin um I gotta say the wild, the lack of wildfire smoke has improved my yields. Um, <laughs> even though the climate's a little less forgiving and the, the growing season's a lot shorter. Yeah, very tight growing season, right? Like you, you gotta get, yeah. you gotta like when's first frost come? First frost probably comes in kind of early October for you guys, something like that. It, it was actually today. Uh, okay. Funnily enough, yeah. We um, timed it perfectly. We kill all the plants today. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they look. I'm looking out the window at them. I think they're sort of holding up. I can probably go grab a bit of fruit it was a light frost got it well so so tell me what's your ritual so you know when do you plant like what seeds and like i'm kind of baiting this one but like what do you actually like give me the technique give me the technology here yeah um so i i, I start seeds under a grow light in my basement uh sometimes i'll start them in a couple batches just because the the last frost can be a little uh you know time sensitive or, or rather a little hard to predict sometimes yeah. So probably somewhere between like late February through about mid March, I've usually got seed trays. So yeah, I, I through means that I couldn't possibly speculate on, I ended up with some of the Isle of Capri seeds uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, uh -huh. that made their way from from Italy to New Zealand for a few generations, and then now are now are uh, somehow here. Not sure how. Not could sure could how. have been anything. Um, anything. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, wind, look, wind, wind patterns, you know, I'm sure something like that. And so I, you know, that's, I grow a decent number of those. I usually try and, you know, aim for maybe like 30 or 40 plants. Um, and then I'll throw in usually like a San Marzano and maybe some, some like cherry tomatoes or something. I, I've gone more and more, more monoculture just because uh, cross sort of pollination means you don't necessarily end up with like true type you end up with perfectly nice tomatoes but they're not necessarily the the varietal you planted you're generally doing isle of capri is this from your you know 
is this because this is your your youth tomato or have you committed to this one or how do you you know how do you think about that and, and what do you yeah, do with yeah, them no. right like why those uh yeah so so um primarily you know i'll i'll, I'll make passata out of them i'll sauce basically puree them um so i've got a whole sort of electric puree rig um which is it's a fun little ritual i'll can them uh and then that's you know i don't i don't buy canned tomatoes or anything like that um so yeah, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy cooking. In theory, these are the same tomatoes that your grandfather, like, brought from Naples over to New Zealand. The seeds from those, like, you know, have been carried over generations. Somehow these seeds made their way parallel with you to somewhere in Wisconsin that, in theory, you're, you're growing them over, you know, months here, starting in February, get them in September, um, that has the same taste and flavor that your grandfather had probably, and, and probably the same sauce flavor you've been eating, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I, I would say, um, I'm sure there's a lot of like soil conditions and all sorts of stuff that it means it's not precisely the same. And, and, you know, the, the memory of youth is fickle, right? So I, you know, who knows, who knows if it's the perfect tomato, but I certainly, it's what the, it's the high I'm chasing, you know? Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. I am with you, actually. Food memories are so ingrained, and like, I actually think they, yes, they're romanticized, but they're like this, and they're powerful when they hit. So I, I totally yeah. get, I get what you're saying here. Well, so, so t tell me about the setup. So you got basement LED grow lights, uh, rigs, like, like, give me the end to end. Like, uh, what's the mechanics here? Yeah, yeah. So, so the start and seed trays. Uh, basically, you know, I, I will start with them. Um, seeds I've saved. And sometimes as I said, I'll, I'll, you know, if there's some other varieties I like, um, so them seed trays, the seedlings are pretty self-sufficient. They're just under grow lights. All you got to do is sort of move the grow light around a little bit as they, as they grow, so not to burn the tops. And these days they're, they're, LED, they're LED grow lights these days, right? They're no longer like those yeah. big old, like, you know, uh, high, high electric yield kind of things. Yeah, they, they still throw out a decent amount of heat. So they're, uh, they can definitely scorch the tops of the, the young seedlings. Then it's just a matter of starting to repot them because they, they'll basically grow to a height that's sort of proportional to the pot they're in. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll repot into, you know, they start in seed trays that are like a couple inches deep and then, and then repot into sort of a, you know, larger and larger, successfully larger pots over, you know, maybe the next month or two. Oh, so that takes us into like March, April, right? Or... Something like that? Yeah, yeah. It's probably probably most of April we're still in pots. It's sort of it's one of these things where like uh you can get into polytunnel setups and trying to plant out earlier. I tend to just get them into decent sized pots or even grow bags. And there's what, what, what does polytunnel mean? Oh me. like a like a, a polythene tunnel, like a oh. you know, kind of um temporary greenhouse type setup. Okay. Just where you can keep the frost off them. So how big do you think we're, we're getting before you put on the ground? I know you can't control when the last frost is, but like roughly. Yeah, they're, they're probably like a foot, foot and a half by the time they're, they're going in. Yeah. I'm letting them go pretty, pretty far in the bags, often just because it's day by day, like, oh, okay, no temps start. Because you want, you know, you really do want the soil temperatures pretty far up. So, you know, by the time I've been able to go out and dig the garden and, and plant and I really like things like leafy greens and stuff that's a little more frost tolerant. Yeah. Tomatoes are still just sort of doing their thing. Um, I'll start hardening them off where you gotta, you know, I'll lug them up from the basement. It's quite a time consuming process and yeah. set them out in the sun for, you know, increasingly long time. So, you know, just just a, an hour or two sort of initially, and then they're, they start staying out there most of the day and then wow. uh, they're coming in at night. 
for for a layman, because I still I still go to my local garden store. Sometimes I might go to the Home Depot, uh, but like, well, I mean, it sounds yours are hardier. You're like you're doing all this work. They're bigger. Like, what's the difference? Like, you know, if I could do all the work, like, would I get stronger plants? All this stuff. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is just I think kind of the the process of growing from seed, um, right. particularly just for anything that's a little, uh, you know, temperature sensitive. Uh, I, yeah, I don't I don't do this with my lettuces, put it that way. <laughs> Well, so if you're bringing them up and down every day, like help me understand the scale. Like how many plants and in there are you planting out there? We're we talking like five. We're we talking five hundred. What are we talking here? No, it's like it's. I probably start the season with like at least forty, which is about what I try to get 40? probably into the ground. Yeah, I, I like they don't all survive, right? I like to have some backups to swap, and I tend to give away a lot of seedlings at this yeah. stage because you know everyone else wants to plant something, so it's it's pretty easy to give away the the runts of the litter um, yeah. and yeah so maybe I'd, I'd say maybe it's about like 30 plants is what i end up with sort of in in beds in the garden i'm thinking about the amount of space that would take because i grow mine in these um kind of grow buckets that are like yep. you know they have the auto feed that i drip into it so that like i've got a drip feeder into there just so i can kind of set it and forget it kind of thing um right but it, like that that puts two per like tupperware thing that's like you know this the size that i can hug and if you're talking 30, I mean, I, I just think it's a lot of space out there. Yeah, like it's in the ground, right? It's not, or is it raised beds or is it buckets or what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, raised beds. Uh, so I've got uh, five beds that are about 12, I think they're 12 feet by about three feet. So I've got a lot of space and that's not just for the tomatoes. Um, yeah, yeah. It's mostly that I try to keep, yeah, like the, the Isle of Capri's and the other varieties sort of separate so that they, they do come out true to type. Um, yeah. Because always you end up with some weird hybrids, which you know they, they could be interesting, they could be good, but it's not not what I'm trying to grow. I'm interested, like so. This means like thirty once each of these things must push like a hundred fruit at some point, something like that. At least, yeah, it's 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 a it's a decent yield. Um, it, I'd say it's pretty dependent on the the watering cycle in terms yeah. of just how productive they end up early. Uh, we can get big storms here, and it can. You know the temperatures can sort of chill off again right through June, so it's a uh, it can be it can be a little touch and go. But no, I'd say it's more more tomatoes than I could have would know what to do with if I didn't have the, the near industrial rate. yeah near yeah. industrial production of canning. <laughs> I'm actually imagining you were in San Francisco before. You didn't like we're in the Bay where you you can't. I don't even I can't even imagine where in the Bay you could have this kind of space to go do this. I, yeah, no, I wasn't wasn't doing the scale of production in San Francisco. I had a little backyard in the Castro and. uh it was it was just grow bags um the 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 last year i guess it was covid year and it, this is you know like full disclosure right covid gardening made this uh obsessive like it was just a, like a uh, <laughs> toss some seeds in the you know in a, in a grow bag and and walk away kind of thing but then i had time on my hands so yeah. remember the, the the year san francisco had the red skies the fires yeah, yeah, just yeah, no sun yeah. trees yeah that basically killed off my tomatoes that was right as they were going through their growth spurt and they just uh, did not love that, and they they basically never recovered. Uh, it was kind of unfortunate. So that that um, you know, it, it's been a lot much smoother out here with a lot more space, a lot more consistent weather, and yeah. less less wildfires. No, we um, yeah, I mean, like I think the the pandemic definitely gave us new rituals that we do. But like, <laughs> I mean, like okay, so now that now the plants are in the ground, you're like yep. What are we doing? Are we are we like mulching on top of this thing? Are we putting compost in, fertilizer? What's the mix in here in the ground? Like, how do you you know? Are you just using that like regular dirt that you're kind of sprucing up, or what are you doing here? 
No, I mean, the tomatoes are, I mean, they're heavy feeders. So I feel like you've got to be doing something. Uh, I, I have a compost bin that I, you know, just put like kitchen and garden waste yeah. into. So that goes in in the fall, effectively into the beds, gets to break down all all winter under under some snow here. And that's about all I do. Uh, occasionally, I'll, I'll mess a little bit with some of the like acidic fertilizers. Um so you're not just putting you're not putting a little generic ten 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 fertilizer in there or anything like that, or you're just letting it run? No, some sometimes uh, later in the growing season I'll give them a little yeah. little bit of something. Um, I'm not I'm not an organic farmer, um, yeah. Yeah. but uh, the main thing is just getting them sort of staked up. Um, I feel like I've I've screwed that one up a few times of like cheap Home Depot steaks. Well, these are these are all indeterminate varieties as well, so they're they're going to keep growing. I mean, these uh, they'll be they'll be eight feet tall by the end of the growing season, so you need a lot of stakes. Teach me about the word indeterminate, right? Like, uh, and and like not just what it means, but like what are the implications of such? Yeah, so so tomatoes are either determinate or or indeterminates. The determinates uh, basically are things like romas, which will grow a bush, but they will stop growing. They're sort of self limiting. At some point, they're like, I'm done uh you know thank you very much and they 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 stop growing they stop producing fruit indeterminates are are vining tomatoes that will just keep growing until they're killed by frost or disease basically um so you tend to get a much higher yield i'd say but they're much more finicky plants how do you know beforehand like certain seeds certain varietals are indeterminate and then yeah yeah there's no there's no way to know at least not with my botanical skills except just reading it you know and figure out where it goes and grows. Yeah. And, and when you say staking up, I'm used to actually those circular tomato cages, yeah. but it sounds like that's not what you mean. What do you mean by staking and something like that? No, would, probably by the time they're sort of like in the ground a couple of weeks, they would just outgrow those cages. So like uh, I, I'm on uh, big, big metal stakes these days. Like they're probably, yeah, eight or nine feet. Um, they're, they're, they're big. And right, they're, so you know, big metal eight them. or nine foot poles you put in the ground and you kind of like tape tape the plants to it or something like that yeah i've I've, uh i've sort of tried every system for like tomato clips or uh twine or this like tomato tape and velcro ones i i've i've no i just use whatever i've gotten basically so how do you drive them in like are you on a ladder putting these things in or oh yeah it's very awkward yeah stand you know perched on the edge of the raised bed trying to swing a hammer or falling off stepping in the bed it's it's a it's a mess yeah I, i don't have a good system for that i i've been kind of thinking about trying to build a, a frame around the yeah. like the end of the bed so i just haven't got around to it yet this is crazy okay so so now i'm managing this stuff so then what's the runtime maintenance of this so take me from like may till you know fruiting time like yep. is it every morning you get up you know you know play some classical music to them like <laughs> like you know yeah. uh like what, what, what's the uh, what's the vibe what's the rhythm and how do you water them like what's the ritual yeah the, the main the main thing is uh sort of single stemming them because um, they will put out laterals right they'll yeah. put out the, the suckers and um, so i pinch them all off and single stem them up up the just, just keep the letting stem. it go just yeah like... they, they just keep going up yeah uh and so water wise i i put them on drip watering i've kind of experimented with that a little bit because as i say that they can end up kind of waterlogged a bit and even in raised beds so so for me it's it's maybe three times a week watering and you gotta get your uh drippers adjusted to the, the right flow rates and things like yeah. that but i'd say there's not i've got no great science for this except like uh, i kind of know like it's about maybe 45 minutes of watering three times a week on my drippers okay, so it's a feel okay so it's not like you don't have because then you have all those you can put probes in the thing and you can actually have feedback loops and all that yeah. kind of stuff to get it right i 
I stick my finger in the dirt and kind of. Okay. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, um, I, actually, I found the same thing. By the way, that every couple days makes it like for a while. I was actually having it daily, and it was just too too moist on that stuff, and then like well, slowed it down. And you'll notice it in the flavor of the tomatoes. They'll they'll end up uh, kind of like those waterlogged supermarket, you know, mealy supermarket tomatoes. Yeah. It, um, uh, no, I think I think they they definitely need to go through a kind of a bit of a. You don't don't want them to dry completely, but they do need to dry out pretty well. Top layers of soil are dry, and then and then because uh, it, it gives them time to uptake nutrients. It probably concentrates the flavor too, because I'm thinking sometimes my cherry tomatoes they get they grow too fast and they crack themselves, right? They pop out. Yeah. Yeah, so, so um, that's also where uh, you can flush, I think, a lot of the calcium out of the soil, and that's what leads to skin formation going uh, where you get blossom and rot and cracking and things like that. So I've definitely had problems with that, and it's sort of been a process of dialing that in. But that's very much a per-varietal thing, too. Like, some that's varietals don't care, some, some it's do. It's a calcium deficiency. Now I'm thinking, okay. Right, yeah. They, I, get, I get this um, black, you know, every once in a while this black blight comes through like later in the season like and that sucks because then there's the whole plant just like or i mean a lot of the fruit just gets tossed and you're like looking at it you're like ah i've invested <laughs> this time and i see the black spot on you you're gonna you're, it doesn't matter like what happens here it's doomed right is that a yeah i i've not had too many problems so so the uh in terms of like late blight yeah. um the only thing that seems to forestall it is just is is ventilation uh so yeah. i trim lower stalks like way way up yeah. uh, pretty aggressively like so there's about two feet of basically just stem and then you get some brush and so i pretty aggressive about thinning just so they're getting airflow through it's yeah. like soil splash up into those lower leaves is how i think a lot of those soil borne diseases get uh transmitted yeah. when it hits it's just like it's all through right. the, the things and yes okay so this is cool okay so your your ritual is you're gonna Get this thing on an auto drip thing. You're gonna come out here like how often? Like daily? You're gonna check and pinch the these are suckers, like the little branches that like that, that come off it, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're the little ladders. Uh, I I wish it was daily. I'd say in, in more uh leisurely work times it would it would have been daily, but uh now it's probably, you know, a couple times a week. Yeah. Um, okay. And then at a certain point you have to, you can stop doing that because they're not gonna do that anymore, right? Or in the indeterminates they keep going. No, they'll keep doing it pretty much to the end of the season. Like once they've kind of given up, it's usually the temperatures are dropping and the the fruit yields have really slowed down. But like there's there's still green fruit on on my tomato plants, and it's end of October. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna pull them for like a bunch of fried green to pickle them, or like at some point they just like they freeze and they'll rot, right? The whole thing. Yeah, no, no. I'll I'll gotta I've gotta grab them in. Uh, it's it's generally like you can shove them in a paper bag, and they'll, they'll a lot of them will come ripe. But um. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd say there's some wastage in this, hence, hence where my, my tomato growing is not really about maximizing yield. You know, I, I already got my perfect tomato for the season. It's it's all all gravy at this point. Yeah, okay, well, so it's kind of cool. Cool. I mean, I, I think a silver lining here of like uh, a little extra time because the pandemic puts you into this. But actually, once you're describing the rhythm here, what you're doing, like I'm kind of like, oh, that's not so bad. Like what's what's the step function here for like, like, cause it sounds like you, it can fit into your regular life now, even though we're all, you know, running around and stuff like that more. Um, yeah. Like, you know, what was the, you know, what, like to go from like a guy who goes to Home Depot and gets a plant and feels pretty proud about it, like what's the step function to go to, to where you are? Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I mean, doing them from seed, I'm not sure there's actually a huge benefit unless there's a particular, like particular variety you want. Seeds, but yeah. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Like, unless there's something you just can't get at Home Depot. I know this, the step function is, is probably just a watering setup and yeah, probably grow lights. Like that's kind of the main thing. Some potting soil or seed seed starting soil. By the way, your drip, do you have just set up to um, faucet on and off or do you actually have some kind of fancy uh, iPhone based timer kind of thing? Like, how are you doing? It's an electronic timer, but it's just like dials you set. No, no phone app or anything. I, I did start down just in the vein of, you know, obsessions you get into. I did start down like the whole building an Arduino watering system, yeah, yeah. controlling solenoid stuff. It was one of these things where I was like, this is stupid. This was meant to be fun. And I've turned it into an engineering project. Um, like this, this was my relaxing time away from the computer. And now I'm at my computer. So now we have the fruit. So we're in September now. We're pulling, you know, so we're, we're picking like, just like your 10 year old self, or do you have, do you make family <laughs> members get at this? Or like, is it like a big old party? Like, how do, how do we do this? No, no, I mean, it's, it's a, um, I mean, it's continuous fruit probably from like, it depends on the season, late July, August. Okay. And it's just, uh, you know, I'll just go out there sometimes, you know, between work calls or whatever, and take a bowl and just grab the 10 or 15 or so, whatever, you know, ripe ones from that day. And then they'll, they'll sit. Usually I'll just, I'll just stack them outside in the sun basically so that they can ripen up a bit further. If they're going to be sauced, I'll, I'll leave them a couple days. Um, yeah. if they're being eaten, they just go into my like fruit bowl in my kitchen and they just, yeah, yeah. they get used. Yeah, we've done this a month ago and the video, bro, we've done this in the garden with the, uh, like just hearing about hear the rustling of the plants <laughs> as you go through. Well, so you, okay, so you pick I, them out and then you like, um, put them in, in a basket and then like, what's the, uh, the saucing rate you told, you said earlier, you have some industrial thing here. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's an uh, electric kind of, um, it's a mooly type thing. So you've, you've basically got a metal funnel. Um, you stew the tomatoes really quickly and mostly to just soften them up and get the skins to start separating. And it's goes through this uh, sort of electrically powered uh, corkscrew mechanism that pushes it through a sieve and all the skins and seeds sort of go one, one way out the end of the, the funnel and uh, the, the pulp comes out through the mesh. Uh, and that's, that's the, that's the yield. That's the product for most stuff. I'll also sometimes just blanch the skins off some and can those mm. as whole tomatoes and whatever else. But yeah, that's the, that's the main product I'd say. And the yield is not great. And do you, all right, you get all that stuff out. Is it in jars or is it in can cans? And do you, and do you actually go through the actual act of, you know, uh, jarring them at like high temperature and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mason jars, you know, with the proper canning lids. I, I have a pressure canner. Um, I've, uh, there's like, if you were to ask my, my dearly departed grandmother, like she lived to the ripe old age, never having high temperature canned any of this stuff. Okay. So like clearly, clearly worked for her. Um, but you know, our modern age of foodborne illness, you know, I, uh, I, I, maybe I'm a little more paranoid. So I'm, I'm happy to can them, uh, like pressure can them, um, just cause it's, it's shelf stable. Then they, they're great. You know, they'll last a few years. Yeah, okay, so the end of the year, like how many cans are we getting out of this? Because back to your $128 tomato, what are we getting here? Yeah, uh, it, it depends on the year and it's mostly to do with um, like how much energy I have to do, how many batches of this. So the, the, the tomato, the raw materials are not a problem, but I, I, like probably a hundred jars or something. hundred jars? Yeah, I started giving them away and like it, it certainly lost me the winter and not like yeah, the first catch, year I did this, I didn't have it. Do you actually get through them? Uh, the first year I ran out, uh, so okay. that's when I sort of put in more plants and started doing more. And then, so the next, uh, the next year I didn't, uh, I don't think I made it through them all. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, still dialing it in, but I'd say I'm never really sad about having like more tomatoes. I mean, these are big jars. You're like, these are like quart jars kind of stuff like yeah. that, right? Or like big, you know, bigger ones than that.
Yeah, no, the court jars. Yeah, usually. I mean, I disagree with you about one hundred twenty dollars tomato. I mean, those like each each a fancy jar of that thing would be like eight dollars of like San Marzano tomatoes, and you're making a you know it's like a thousand bucks worth of stuff there. I yeah, it probably is, but I mean, it's probably a lot of tomatoes went into each one of those, and yeah. and you know, by the time you and add a lot, my and a lot of love, a lot of love, a lot sure. of time, yeah, that's what makes them taste better, yeah, and, and a little man, and some mental sanity too, right? That's a uh, the it, it's it, it, so is this is this a cathartic thing for you at this point, or is it a thing that where you know weighs in your shoulders now to do? It, it it can be a little bit of both. I gotta say, it definitely when it started, it was a very therapeutic thing. Uh, you know, I think when um. You know, one year a storm knocked a lot of my tomatoes over and it was, you know, I think everyone was a little worried about me. Like there's a, there's a lot of sort of concerned looks, the hand on the shoulder, like, are you okay? You know, it's like, no, 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 I'm okay. Um, but I'd say uh, as I've sort of gotten busier and busier at work, it becomes a little bit of like a, uh, I really need to go trim those tomatoes or I need to go like dig that mulch out or whatever. And it's sort of, yeah, it becomes a little bit of a, a chore. Um, yeah. But generally speaking, I'd say an excuse to sort of go outside, sun, fresh air. Uh, it's it's really good. So yeah. no, it's 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 cathartic for sure. Do you find, like, aside from the the guilt of eating all this stuff, like, <laughs> is the gardening at some point a, an outlet for you in terms of stress times? Do you find a correlation in your work patterns? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it is uh, because it's such a short growing season here, right? There there's this giant sort of gap where I notice like my emotional regulation changes in terms of my ability to handle stress you know i just go uh when something's growing it's great yeah i'll, I'll go hand water some stuff yeah, or do a bit yeah. of pruning or something something totally cathartic it's 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 a good way to i think just kind of refocus a little have a little moment of uh moment to yourself you know you and your plants commune yeah. with nature it's yeah I, I dig it i dig it right uh and then like back back to this the whole thing around the gardening setup do you have, do you, so for where I live, I live in the city. So I, I'm, in, I'm in Cambridge and uh, we definitely have our, our bionic squirrels and bunnies that tear everything up. And, and, <laughs> and, and let's not even talk about the city rodents, but like they, um, we have to do some work to fight all these things off. Do, do you have that out there? Like you're like, you know, what, what do you use to kind of keep things away? Yeah, I lose, I lose a, uh, a decent number of usually the young plants to squirrels and rabbits uh, in my yard. The funny thing is, they don't even like eating them. Uh, most most yeah, they just, like, like, yeah. they just they just they just chew them off for fun, yeah. you know, sharpening their teeth. So I, I've kind of done various times. I'll I'll throw up some netting around the the raised beds for like at least that early part of the season, then generally sort of take them take them back down. Yet again, this is all like under time constraints. So sometimes I'm just like, eh, there's enough plants. It's it's fine. I'll plant a few extra, and like if the rabbits want to chew off a few of them, like fine. Yeah, I like it. So we're talking about this. We're clearly geeking about this. Do you have you have other community about this stuff, or is there like a, a work garden channel, or do people think you're a crazy person when you talk about this stuff? No, there, there's there's a work gardening channel, uh, but no, this is it's always been a fairly like solitary activity for me. I've not this is probably the most I've talked about gardening with anybody ever. <laughs> um, right. It's a private session. It's, thing, so they know. Yeah, it's very no, cool. it's good. No, no, it's it's you know largely trial and error, and then and then I'd say I've 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 phoned home a few times. Uh, to get some advice from, oh yeah does you know, your family my... still professionally do this no no they uh they got out of that business they this so the, the greenhouses that, that sort of i i uh you know had the the role of picking some tomatoes in when i was young was uh there they were in the middle of city limits basically so at some point the land they were on was way more valuable than any fruit coming out of them so uh but it's it's still you know 
there were some pro tips that came through occasionally, like, you know, uh, you, you're screwing this up, you're overwatering them, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah, is, okay, is that the pro tip that, like, a Landon would screw up? Like, uh, like what's the, you know, what's the thing that you, uh, like, what was the one thing, if, if I had access to this, this, this super resource, like, what, what would they tell me? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's um, for me, it was a probably a rather specific like fruit splitting that I was getting with this one varietal because I just I hadn't seen anything else do that. And it's, it was probably just overwatering largely. Yeah, no. Uh, neem oil is your friend for for what? early season mites. Neem oil. What? Yeah. What is that word you're using? Oil and neem? N-E-A-M? Yeah. N-N-E-E-M. Oil yeah. is a it's a sort of natural insecticide effectively. And, um yeah, it's, you know, all the garden centers have it. People use it for indoor plants a lot, but I'll give the, it, it's supposed to uh, very early season mites on the seedlings. Oh. Um, it can, it can help a lot. How, if you, how do I know if I have mites in my tomatoes? You'll see little black spots all over it. The, the, the leaves will be basically being eaten or kind of mottled with uh, insect damage. You'll, you'll see them there. They're pretty, uh, I've had sort of, sort of black fly or, I, I don't. I'm, I don't. I don't actually know what these insects are. I sort of know them by sight, but little little black aphidy things or whatever they are, they they can do some damage. Love it. All right, now I got a new tip. I'm gonna keep an eye out for that. Get some neem oil. Learn new thing. At the end of the product here, like, what's something you make out of this? That's like you're like, oh, so you have the tomatoes. Like, what's the what's what's the dish you make or that like brings back home or really kind of nails their freshness? Like, what's what's the go-to on this thing? Uh, well, so, I mean, because I, because I live in Wisconsin now, it's pretty easy to get hold of really good milk. So I'll make mozzarella, like fresh mozzarella, and then do a caprese. That's like the, you know. You're making your own mozzarella. Talk yeah. to me here. All right. You just drop this on the, like the last minute. Be like, hey, by the way, I didn't have one of the mozzarella. Okay. So you, so you get I mean, some, yeah, you get some beautiful unpasteurized milk then. Yep. Uh, it, it's. And, and are you, are you going to the farm and getting it with a bucket or are you just going to the actual grocery store? No, you can't. You can't buy uh, raw milk in in a in a supermarket in Wisconsin, but you can be part of a club where they'll basically ship it to you in a cooler. Um, so you, you're getting sort of yeah, ni nice raw milk. Um, you you heat it. You're basically throwing rennet into it, and then uh, you have to stretch the curds that that form. It's it's sort of a, like I'd say this is a, um, much simpler than people think, but it's also like. You can just screw it up a lot of ways along the way. I, I tried like two decades ago. I probably tried doing this. I bought Reddit online, and I couldn't. It was always mealy. I really couldn't pull it. Like, and uh, I couldn't tell if I couldn't get the temperature high enough, or I or put it was too high. I, it just never yeah. worked for me. And I tried hard on that stuff. There, there's a microwave technique that uh, I I always thought was like ruining the purest vibe of this, but yeah. no, it works really well. But if you're not burning your hands, it's not hot enough. Like. It's you should you it, it, there's pain involved in making mozzarella like that's how it's you know you know it's going to turn out good. I'm guessing you also grow basil in the backyard because there's no yeah. way you're not growing basil in the backyard, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And, and time it with the tomatoes, and then is this is this the Isla Caprese like or Isla Capri tomatoes, or are you using different ones for this? Uh, kind of what usually whatever looks good, whatever's ripe at the time. It's uh, Slice it's just an nice. easy summer thing. Slice yep. them nice, take your, you know, your big ball of mozzarella that you just made that might be still warm from your hands and you yeah. slice it down thin, uh, a little chiffonade of basil on top or something like that. Yep. That's, that's the one. Yeah. And then, I, uh, I, a nice fruity olive oil. Do you have one that you brought, you smuggled in as well, or is this a, uh... 
no the, olive oil is probably like not um i know i know that's one you can definitely go deep on but i'm not i'm not that guy i'll just buy like a decent olive oil from the you know the supermarket uh, okay so then we hit a little salt a little cra- a bit, a bit of rock salt, salt yeah a little, a little pepper on that thing Pe- pepper's then, going on yep essential. Right, is it okay here question this could be controversial like vinegar or no vinegar that's always the uh, yeah no that that's controversial in my house too i uh i'm a no i'm a no balsamic guy uh just because i think i think let the let the tomato flavor shine um i see i see the merits it's perfectly delicious but i I, no, i'm a purist in that regard i'm with you on that one we we have a debate in my family too on that one and my wife's pro balsamic and i'm like yeah keep it clean right (laughs) pick your poison on that stuff well you you use the balsamic to mask a a kind of crappy tomato i mean that's the thing it's it's perfect If, if you're using supermarket tomatoes absolutely balsamic but no like i just spent six months obsessively growing this like we're we're not throwing balsamic on it thank you thank you <laughs> speaking truth here on this whole thing well okay uh by the way before like you're gonna have to send me some seeds if you're willing to like this is a uh a, a pre-requirement before this airs on this whole thing I, I gotta i gotta get this i want to try your tomatoes in that way it sounds really cool um, yeah for sure yeah the uh the, the seed saving is a whole process there because you've got to do lacto ferment yeah give me the two minute on that like okay end of the season oh, yeah. you, so you, actually like what do we do here yeah. it's at the end of the season now how do we get seeds yeah. oh yeah you you've got to pulp uh just pulp a few tomatoes some people uh do the bagging the flowers so that you can end up with something that hasn't had you know bees pollen like cross pollinating with a different bridal i'm not so worried i can i can kind of pick them out but uh yeah you, you basically just lacto ferment them in, in, in water you just put them in a little jar, cover them with water. Wait, so let I, them t- I take a fruit. Water. I take a fruit off the, the vine. I put it in a yep. jar, cover it with water, and just let it. Well, well you did just the seed. You scrape the seeds out. You okay, squeeze so out. Squeeze I cut it just out, the seeds. Squeeze out the seeds. Yep. Throw it into yep. a jar of water. Yep. Cover. And it's cover all, this, is, this is, the tomato, is tomato goo still on there, or am I like washing it? A little bit. That? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so. That that's the process. Is basically that it's going to uh, ferment for maybe like three, four days. You'll notice, and that that pulp that this the um. The kind of casing that encloses the seeds basically rots um, or is, is broken down. And then you just uh, into a strainer um, and kind of I rinse them yeah. and then out on a tray to dry for a few days. And that's that's the seeds I use for the next year. How do you not like don't they sprout if you put them in there too long? No, I think they'll just rot. Um, it's it's you definitely want to get them dry pretty quickly. Not on a paper towel is my pro tip there because they'll just stick and then you will break them as you get them off. So just onto like a metal tray or something or you know a porcelain plate something. Yeah, yeah. okay, interesting. But you got a timer, right? It sounds like you you know the look of when to pull them out of this thing. It, yeah, I mean you'll notice that. I mean they start to they look they look and smell pretty horrible, and that means they're ready. I mean you'll you'll know you'll know they're they're working because you just like dump them out in the this seeds are they look like seeds you'd buy from a packet basically just wet got it okay yeah all right well if you have extras definitely interested here on, on I, I got you out. yeah i appreciate that some cr- across state uh inter interstate uh, commerce here on this thing um, <laughs> all right uh you, you've given us dropped a lot of knowledge here uh if someone wants to get into this like where should they go like what's a quickie like what, what's something you actually like uh where'd you send them you know, I like the, there's the guy, um, the MI Gardner YouTube channel. He's, um, he's based in Michigan, I guess. I kind of like his, uh, his style. I mean, it's just, he, he's, he's much more into sort of a professional end of things, but, uh, it's like this 
how do you get a decent yield from like a small backyard gardens is his premise. So I, I like, uh, I like his channel, but otherwise, I don't know, just like, it's just, it's just seeds, you know, just give it a try. Let's try it. Like, all right, well, yeah, for, the, for all these folks, like Jean says, just try it. I don't know. Many of you don't have um, tomato growing in your blood, but you, maybe you can start it on this generation. Right? You can make it happen here. You never know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's a it's got a good feedback loop in terms of like either you like the the taste of the thing you grow or you don't. If you if you don't, do something different. <laughs> love, it, love it. Well, hey, Gian, I think that's uh, that's it on my end. Um, I know we didn't get to cars, but this was uh, very fun. I appreciate you sharing all this stuff. Uh, genuine interest on my part because you know I want to make mine better on this stuff, and uh, and, and maybe we'll trade. Like I'll, I'll find some spigarella seeds and we'll throw them your way or something like that. Sounds good. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Yeah. Andrew Lau here. I hope you enjoy this episode of 5 to 9. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on our next episode. Who knows what hidden talents or hobbies we'll discover on the next episode of 5 to 9.